get right into the word we're continuing our series uh, called water walkers and this has been a great series so far and I hope it's ministered to you and blessed you and today I want to teach you a little bit uh, on the idea or concept of the devastation of distraction the devastation of distraction because if there's anything that can keep us from being that kind of a person where God can use us and move us in the right direction, where we can walk on the water, where we can have those miraculous things that come from the power of God that manifest themselves in our lives, that can all be stopped if we allow ourselves to be distracted, if we allow our faith to lose focus. And so I want to encourage you today that we don't be overcome by the devastation of distraction. Let's take our text, Matthew chapter 14, verse 30. And here's what it says. Read it with me. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. He said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Father, we thank you for your word today. We just ask you to minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray that every single person who is a part of our online campus, that Lord, they'll receive your word today. That Lord, their heart, the soil of their heart will be cultivated by your spirit and that you'll take this word like a seed and plant it deep in that soil of their heart. And God, cause it to grow and cause it to produce fruit, cause it to change our lives, God. And not only our lives, but Lord, the lives of everyone around us. God, empower us to be soul winners. Empower us to be anointed by your hand to reach the lost. Help us to pray for the sick. Help us to reach those who are oppressed and those who have need, God. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be a light that shines in darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man, God is so good. And uh, this is a subject that I'm very familiar with. Uh, because I am not a person that it's very hard to distract. Uh, I've got issues with this. Uh, some of you may know and some of you don't, but I was diagnosed a few years ago with ADHD as an adult. And uh, I, my wife has thought that this was the case for a long time because as a school teacher, she's, in, she's encountered it a lot. And just some of the descriptions that I gave her when I was a kid, uh, it just made her think, man, you you've got this. And so... I went and was diagnosed and have been working through that ever since. But needless to say, I am a person who has to really intentionally develop focus in my life because if I don't, I can be easily distracted. I remember a time where we had a youth pastor several years ago that he lives in another part of Texas now doing great, but he was with us for a couple of years and, and man, what a great guy he was. But when he first came here, his name was Chase and such a great guy. But when he first came, I mean, he was just here for the first few weeks and we were riding around and we already had a relationship, knew each other before he came on our staff. And, and we were riding around in Amarillo and I, I, I just, you know, if I'm driving and you're riding with me, well, all I can say is just come along for the ride because who knows where we're going to end up. Who knows how long it's going to take us to get there? Who knows if I'm going to make the turn or not make the turn or make the turn at the last minute and scare you plumb to death? So a lot of times just people who ride with me just say, hey, how about if I drive? They're very nice about it, but they're insistent because they really want me not to drive. So I remember one day we were driving and 
there was this, um, we were just in an intense conversation. We were laughing, cutting up and talking. And there's this, I can't even remember what street it is in Amarillo, but you go under a bridge and it's kind of diagonal. So for some reason, as I was talking, I, 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 didn't, I didn't catch on that the diagonal was two ways. It was coming this way and that way. And for some reason, I went all the way across and I turned left onto the down ramp. Uh, I went up on the down ramp. And it was a hysterical moment because I, in situations like that, I don't panic. I just, I guess it's such a natural thing in my life to be distracted like that, that I didn't panic. There were vans coming off the highway and turning under that thing. And I was coming at them head on and I just moved this way. I looked over at Chase and he was like, oh, 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 oh. And I just, I just laughed. And I said, just calm down. It's all going to be okay. And finally I got it straightened out. It was a funny moment. But that's what distraction does to us. When we are trying to get somewhere, we can many times put ourselves in danger. We can get off the path that we need to be on. We can create scenarios in our own lives that take us a place that we don't want to go simply because we've gotten distracted. My distraction when I'm driving a lot is just if I'm in a conversation because, uh, you know, it's very, uh, it's very easy for me not to pay attention to what I should be paying attention to because I'm distracted by things that I necessarily shouldn't be giving all my focus to. So I want to encourage you today that there is something in our spiritual life that can truly mess us up. Peter found this in this text that we're reading here. Peter did some interesting things in this text. I mean, this text is, is such a, a big thing because Peter's doing something that no one had ever done and to our knowledge has not done since. Peter was stepping out of a, a place of comfort into a place of faith. Peter was taking a chance that nobody else was taking. I mean, there's all kinds of good things happening here. He, he's focused on Jesus. He's walking on the water. But then something happens to Peter, as we've already talked a little bit about in this series. He notices the winds and the waves. He notices the idea that I shouldn't be able to walk on water. He realizes all of a sudden that he is defying natural law. And he looks at the wind. He looks at the waves. And he realizes this, this shouldn't be happening. And he loses his focus. He loses his faith. He takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to focus on himself. He begins to focus on the reality of the situation. And instead of walking in faith, he starts walking by sight. In other words, he experienced the devastation of distraction. He realized as he took his focus off Jesus and he put his focus on himself, the Bible says that he began to sink. I love the way that translation writes that. It didn't say that he sank. It says that he began to sink. Now, let me just teach you something about when we get distracted or when we get off course or when we make a mistake and we're paying attention to things that are not necessarily as important as the spiritual things in our life. When we even begin to sink, when we feel that we're losing ground, when we feel that things aren't going, that's when you call out to Jesus. The Bible said Peter began to sink, and immediately he cried out to Jesus, help me. And here's what's so great about Jesus. What did Jesus do? He immediately helped him. And then he coached him. He said, Peter, why'd you lose faith? In other words, he was saying, Peter, why'd you look at the circumstances? Why didn't you just keep your eyes 
on me. Let's go back to the boat. And then they went back to the boat. They climbed in. And, and, and when they climbed in the boat, the, the wind stopped and they made their way to the other side. What an amazing story. But what an analogy to our life. What an analogy to the faith that we're supposed to walk in and the way that we're supposed to operate and function. And I find that sometimes, especially in our culture today, we can easily become distracted. And here's the sad part. If we become distracted in our spiritual walk, it can become devastating. Now, now listen to me. I want you to understand. I want you to hear me. I know because that title sounds, well, that sounds, I mean, it's alliteration and, it, and, and it's cutesy and all that, but it sounds a little intense. It sounds a little harsh. Distraction equals devastation. Well, in a lot of cases, it does. In a lot of cases, our spiritual distractedness can turn in to spiritual destruction in our lives. And, and let me just tell you, I tell you what I believe the enemy's looking for. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Peter, interestingly enough, Peter wrote and told us that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he's looking for people to pounce on. He's looking. And, and what, does a, what does a predator do? What does a predator do when it's trying to kill its prey? It watches, it observes, it pays attention until it finds that prey in the weakest of moments. Maybe a sheep that has gotten away from the flock. Uh, maybe an animal that runs in packs has gotten away from the pack and now can be attacked by the predator because it's safe for him to do so and it's a weak moment. See, I believe the devil's walking around looking for distracted believers. That's what I believe. I believe he's walking around looking for believers who have kind of lost their spiritual focus and are distracted by everything that's going on around them. And there's a lot of different ways to be distracted and a lot of different things that distract us that we're going to talk about today. But let's first look at Peter's life and let's understand something very clearly. When we are distracted, you could call it failure. What, what happened in Peter's life was a fail. I mean, how often do we talk about the fact that he sank? But not acknowledging the fact that he walked. I mean, come on, he walked on the water, but what do we remember? He sank. And, and, and sometimes when we get distracted by the things of this world and our spiritual focus gets off, what happens is we fail. We make mistakes. We make wrong choices. Some of these choices add up over time to produce destruction in our life. We end up in places where we don't know how we got there. And we, we think, man, I was on fire for God. I was, I was in his word. I was seeking his face. I was maturing and growing. I was seeing people's lives around me changed. And all of a sudden now I'm, I, I, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not right with God. My life's got tons of sin in it. I, I'm not influencing the world. I'm not even barely focused. I'm, I'm hardly in my Bible. I barely go to church. It, 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 listen, it, it, it can get to the place by that idea called gradualism that takes us out, literally takes us out. And that's who, who, who the devil's looking for. He's looking for people who've gotten away from the flock. He's looking for people who are so distracted that they're out there on their own. And he's just waiting. If you get far enough away, pounce. I'm going to pounce on your life. And I think it's interesting 
that we don't have to be defeated like that. We don't have to be destroyed by that. And the way we keep from failing, the way we keep from sinking, as Peter did, is we learn from the times that we've done it before. You see, failure is not fatal. You need to hear me today. I love uh, Pastor Scott. He just really received a word from the Lord last week in service. And he just really believed that there was someone in service that was saying, I want God to heal me. I want God to do a miracle in my life. But I don't believe I deserve it. I don't believe he wants to do that for me because of my past and because of things that I've done. And, and I just want to tell you today that God loves us so much that he receives us just as we are. But he also loves us so much that he won't leave us like we are. But we cannot disqualify ourselves because of weaknesses and because of failures and because of mistakes and mishaps and loss of focus and distraction because God always wants to use your life. God always wants to touch your life. God loves you beyond what you can comprehend. And, 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 and you need to let go of some of those things that have bound you and let go of some of that shame and guilt that's wrapped itself around your throat and is choking your spiritual life out. And you need to realize God loves you and fail Failure is not fatal, nor is it final. Failure is opportunity for an education. That's really the way I look at it. Life is filled with opportunities to fail. And when we fail, it becomes a classroom. It's not an execution room. It's a classroom. It's an opportunity for us to look at our situation and, and say, you know what? Even as it pertains to my faith, when doubt creeps into my life, when fear attacks me and I give in and I fail and, and I don't get it right and I'm distracted and I'm pulled away, what I need to do at that moment is not continue in the failure. It's not get wrapped up in the guilt and the shame. It's to repent. And it's just to turn around and say, God, let me try this again. I guarantee you, if Peter had another chance to walk on the water, he would have tried it again. Don't you imagine that Peter later in his life as the church was being persecuted and there were people that might want to give up on their faith that he could, he could bring up that testimony and say, oh, no, let me tell you something. You can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because let me tell you a time where he walked on the water and he let me walk on the water with him. I sank, but he saved me. We walked back to the boat and he's good and he can do the miraculous in your life. Can you imagine having that testimony? What an amazing thing. I love what Henry Ford said about failure. He said, failure is an opportunity to try again more intelligently. You know, I really honestly think if we looked at failure that way, it would change our life. Now, now let me just make a disclosure here. I'm not saying that your failures don't matter. And I'm not saying, especially as it pertains to spiritual failure or sin, that it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that we can just overlook it or act as if it didn't happen or go into denial. That's not right either. And that will destroy you. That in and of itself is a distraction that will pull you off course continually if you don't deal with the sin in your life sin has to be dealt with the bible says that he that covers his sin shall not prosper but it's he that forsaketh his sin that will prosper we have to understand there are times in our lives where we have failures and it, and we can learn from those failures but the only way to learn from those failures is to understand them and to learn from them by admitting that they exist and dealing with them. So what I want to do is I want you to look for a moment with me at Peter's failures. Not just his failure 
and, and when I was studying this, I, I'm telling you, it became an interesting thing to me because I never realized this about Peter. But you could look at every one of Peter's failures that, that we have recorded in the Bible that are, that, that are out there on display because Peter was so impulsive that a lot of times he found himself in situations where his failure was very blatant and everyone got to see it. And I don't want to just look at the failure of him sinking. I want to look at several things that we know of in the word where he just didn't get it right. And I want to tell you that I really believe that, that, that Peter's most significant sin was he was distracted. And I want to show you how he was distracted and in what ways he was distracted. And I want to help us today to kind of relate this to our life today. Because it happens to us all the time. So I want to look at the fault of Peter's failure. The fault of Peter's failure was the destruction of distraction. Peter had several opportunities to learn in his life. You know, we just talked about failure being an education. Well, let me just tell you, this brother was going to college. Uh, Peter had several opportunities. And one of the things that he learned was that a lot of his failure was due to being distracted. I want you to look at this situation. In the account of our text where Peter was walking on the water, then he fell. What was his issue? His issue was he lost focus. He, he no longer looked at Jesus, but he looked at the winds and the waves. So he was distracted by his current circumstances. How often do we lose focus on our faith and give up on things because we get enamored or, or refocused on distracted by current circumstances? We, we, we look at the circumstances and we somehow put so much attention on them that it distracts us from the greatness of God. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. God is still great. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. God is still on the throne. It doesn't matter what is happening around you. God is still omniscient. He's still omnipresent. He's still omnipotent. He has never changed. God is God. And we can depend on that. And He is faithful to us. I was talking to my wife last night and we were just going through so many big difficulties we've had in our life and so many times where man the enemy just attacked us or life experiences were horrible and we went through so many of those times in our life to this point and and here's what we begin to say we started getting this like almost anointing in our car because we were just feeling so inspired because God has been faithful in every situation that even when the situation were of our own doing God was faithful to help us get out God was faithful to help us come through God was faithful to help us figure it out in, in, in our understanding, we have to realize that every day we could be distracted from where God's trying to take us. Every day we could be distracted from being a water walker. We could be a distracted from being a person who the miraculous is being manifested through. We, we could be distracted from the will of God for our lives, the change in the world He wants to make through us. We could be distracted from that by simply getting our focus off of Christ and on to the circumstances around us. I'm just going to tell you in the last two years, as an entire globe, we have faced circumstances that would make you discouraged. That could make you defeated. That could make you depressed. That could make you feel like there's no hope. But the truth is, none of that is real. None of that is true. It really happened and is happening. But can I tell you this? God is more real than any circumstance you will ever face. And we need to realize that, that, that what is visible to us is not more powerful than what is not visible to us. And, and the Bible literally clearly says that, 
People who were believing on Christ because they saw him were blessed. But even much the more, those who have not seen but still believe are truly blessed. We need to not let ourselves be distracted by current circumstances. Uh, there was a time when Peter got a revelation of Jesus. You remember this time where Jesus asked the apostles or the disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And They went through the list. Prophets. Some say you're a great teacher. Some say you're a great prophet. Some say you're Elijah reborn. And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, well, who do, you, who do you say that I am? And Peter, with a great revelation from God, says, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You are the one who is to come. Yeshua HaMashiach. You are him. We believe it. We know it. And Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, you didn't come up with that on your own. God is talking to you. And then just a few sentences later, Jesus begins to tell them, because he is the son of God, what is going to have to happen. That he's going to die and he's going to raise again. And Peter gets incensed. And I think carried away in the pride of his revelation, he goes to the Messiah, the person he just said was the Messiah. He said, come over here, I need to talk to you. And he brings him over to the side and he rebukes Jesus. Now, I don't know if you think that's a good idea. I personally don't think that's a good idea. I think Jesus is not the person you should ever rebuke. I think if you find yourself rebuking Jesus, you should immediately evaluate your intelligence. You should immediately evaluate your pride and your ego. He'd gotten caught up in his revelation and he goes to Jesus and he says, far be it from you, Jesus. And Jesus then says to Peter, listen, you're getting in the way. You're acting like Satan. You're trying to distract me from the purpose of God in my life. So one minute he's on the mountaintop of revelation from God and the next minute he is being called Satan by the Messiah. <laughs> it, is, it is an interesting setting. But here's what actually happened. When Peter rebuked Jesus for saying he would be crucified, he was distracted by his own interpretation of events. He lost sight of the will of God. Now, I could, I could just pass on there. I could just say, let's go to the next one. But I want us to stop and think about this for a minute. Because I believe this is one of the biggest distractions we have in life. That we forget, we lose focus of the will of God. And we begin to have our own interpretation of events. And we begin to have our own agenda. You see, Peter, like many of the Jews thought, when the Messiah come, he would, he would overthrow the oppressors. He would set himself up as a great military leader and he would overtake the world. And it was a misinterpretation of prophecy. Ultimately, one day, Jesus will present himself physically and eternally as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he will fight the ultimate of battles and win the victory. But that is not for now. And Jesus was coming to win the, the battle in the hearts of men. That's what the Messiah was coming for. To pay the penalty of the sins of man so that man could believe in him and be saved. He was coming for redemption, not an overthrow. And Peter had this heart felt idea this passion deep inside that Jesus was this great king that was going to overthrow the oppressor of Rome and and just give them victory throughout the rest of eternity and a lot of times we get distracted by what we want the Bible to say we get distracted by what we want God's agenda to be 
we get distracted by our interpretation of what we think God should be doing in the moment or what God should be saying in the moment or when God should do it or how God should do it. And I want us to stop for a minute and say, yes, thank God that he's given us revelation. Thank God that we can get into his word. But let's be careful that we don't then start dictating to God how he should be based on our interpretation of what he's told us. We need to understand, like Peter didn't understand in that moment, that even though he got the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, he didn't understand the purpose of the Christ in that context. And he stuck his own agenda in the life of Christ, and it distracted him from the purpose. And he found himself coming off the mountain of revelation to a failure of being like the devil, even distracting the very Messiah. We've got to be careful that we honor God and we respect God and we stay focused on the will and purpose of God for our lives and don't try to rearrange it based on our own agenda. The third thing is Peter at the transfiguration. You remember Peter went to the mountain with Jesus. He took Peter, James, and John, uh, Elijah, and uh, uh, I believe yeah, Elijah and Moses came and they're encouraging Jesus about what he's about to do. The glory of God shows up on that, that mountaintop and Peter and the other disciples were just, they were just, they couldn't believe it. And, and, and then Peter, he, he starts talking. I don't know why some people get in a moment and they think their job in that moment is to start talking. I mean, can you imagine you're on this mountain? Jesus is there. Elijah's there. Moses is there. And the glory of God is there so much so that they could barely stand. The Bible said they knelt down under the glory of God. And Peter thought, I need to speak. I need to talk right now at this moment. And so he does. He starts talking. He goes, he goes, Jesus, this is so awesome that we're here. Now, now I want you to notice what he's doing. He's taking his focus off the purpose of the moment, and he's making it about him. He's not making it about the purpose of what's going on, Moses and Elijah encouraging Jesus about the task he's about to take. But, but, but he makes it about him. It's so good that we're here, Jesus. Do I need to make three uh, altars for one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you? And then God speaks from the heavens and basically says, Peter, shut up. That's basically what he says. He wasn't that hateful or harsh. He said, listen to my son. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen, sometimes we are distracted by our blessing so much that we're distracted from our focus on the blesser. You know, we sometimes, instead of being focused on the blesser, God who provides our blessing, when he provides those blessings that we've been praying for and asking for, and he gives us that glory, and he gives us that moment, and he gives that provision or that healing or that deliverance, then we sometimes get focused on that instead of on him. He was distracted by the blessing of that moment to himself, and lost focus on the purpose of that moment for what it really meant. Peter, at the transfiguration, missed the whole point because he was distracted by his blessing. How often have we gotten blessings in our life and, and that blessing pulled us away from our closeness to Christ? I used to have a friend who was so excited because God was blessing his business and his business was just growing him. Man, he was able to buy a new house and he was able to buy a new car. And then he got him a boat. And I mean, he was, he was loved that boat and, and he worked so hard that the only time he could go and, and use that boat was on the weekends. So here he is being blessed by God because he's obeying God because he was seeking the face of God. God was prospering his life 
And before you know it, he was out on that boat every weekend forgetting all about God. Didn't go to church, started falling away. His family started falling together. I'm not saying your, your family will fall apart if you get a boat. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying you can never go on vacation from church. That's not what I'm saying. You hear what I'm saying. That sometimes when God blesses us, we get focused on our blessing, which is a distraction from the blesser. And we need to get our eyes off the blessing and get our eyes on the bless. Listen, if you really want to be blessed, keep your eyes on the blesser. When you keep your eyes on the blesser, the blessings will chase you. They will follow you. Come on, somebody. Peter missed the mark because he was distracted by his blessing. The fourth thing is Peter sleeps while he should be praying. He failed Jesus. He didn't just fail himself. He failed Jesus. He slept when he should have been praying. Jesus said, go to the Garden of Gethsemane with me. I need to pray. I feel like I'm going to die. I'm so stressed out. I got to talk to God about this. And it's the great prayer where Jesus says, you know, uh, if there be any way, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. And he's just asking his friends, just pray with me. And so they sit down over here. He goes to prayer about a stone's throw away from them. And, 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 and he comes back and they're asleep. They're asleep. They're asleep. Their eyes were heavy, the Bible said. Peter sleeps while he should be praying. He was distracted by his own feelings. We talked a lot about this last week. I'm not going to go a lot into it. But listen, if we focus on our feelings, we will be distracted from our purpose. That's just the bottom line. If we focus on our feelings instead of our faith, we will be distracted from the will of God and we'll end up living for ourselves instead of for him. The fifth thing is Peter denies Christ. You know the story. He denies Christ after he said, I'll never deny you. After he said, if everybody else leaves, I'm not going to leave. After he said, I'll fight for you. I'll go to a war for you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the, the rooster crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter does it. He denies him. And he denies him because he was distracted. And what was he distracted by? He was distracted by his own fear and his own confusion. He couldn't understand why Jesus wouldn't step, stand up for himself. He couldn't understand why Jesus wasn't fighting back. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the King of Kings, Jesus, the one I've seen raise people out of their graves, Jesus, the one I've seen open blind eyes. There's no way he couldn't fix this situation. There's no, and he was confused by it. And then he was afraid because they were threatening people's lives over this. And he got scared and the distraction of fear and doubt and confusion overtook him and he lost his way. He lost sight of his commitment. His focus left his commitment to Christ and his focus went to his fear and his doubt. You know, and we suffer with this and we, and, and, and listen, we, we might as well admit it and we might as well get a hold of it that distraction can destroy us if we allow it. What we learn from Peter's failure is that distraction is a big problem for us because we're human. Just like me in that car, if I pay attention to that conversation instead of the road or instead of where we're going or still what the end, the end, the end place I want to be, I'm telling you, I won't get there in a timely fashion. I'm telling you, I'll put people in danger. I'm telling you, it'll be a, a scary thing if I'm not paying attention or someone else drives. And we need to get to that place where we understand that as human beings, even as believers, filled with the Holy Spirit, sanctified by the grace of God, we need to understand we are still susceptible to the distractions of temptation, the distractions of life circumstances, the distractions of fear and doubt, the distractions of, 
our blessings, the distractions of all of these things. We often miss the mark because we lose focus on what's truly important and we shift focus on what is seemingly apparent. Now think about that. We trade our faith for our feelings. We look at what seems to be apparent and we forget about what is important. We look at what's apparent and we forget what's important. We trade faith for feelings. Our faith or relationship with God can be one focus and victory over the distractions of this life. Listen, we can truly have a relationship with God that is so, so growing and so mature that we can get over the problems of this life. So I want to give you three steps just real quickly of how to get over and win the victory of distracted living. It's kind of like what Jesus did in the wilderness when he was tempted before he started his ministry. You need to understand the whole purpose of the enemy in that situation. He knew Jesus. He knew the Son of God. He was trying to tempt him not just to sin. He was trying to distract him from his purpose. Because look at the temptations that he put in front of him. I'm going to make you great. I'm going to, you know, man should not eat by... uh, you need bread because you're hungry. He's feelings. His feelings of the moment. I want to make you great. His pride. Uh, his power. He's distracting him. Taking his eyes off of what's really important. And Jesus said every time, as it is written. As it is written. As it is written. So the first most important component before I give you these three, the, the disclosure I'll give you up front is get into the word because it's the word that will save you from distraction. Three steps to overcome distracted living. Number one, learn and turn. Learn and turn. Scripture says in Mark chapter 16, verse 6 through 7, Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He had risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. Therefore, you'll see him just as he told you. Isn't it interesting that the angel didn't just say, go tell the disciples. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter was defeated by doubt. The Bible said he ran off after he denied Christ. He ran off weeping bitterly. He didn't feel worthy of anything or anyone. And the angel said, make sure you go tell Peter that Jesus Christ is risen. Don't just tell the disciples. Make sure Peter hears. Make sure Peter knows. The scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 11 through 12 says this, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away, wondering to himself what had happened. But I have a feeling in the back of Peter's mind was that lesson that Jesus taught him when he told him he would deny him. He said, Peter, you will deny me, but, but, When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Jesus believed fully in Peter, that Peter would make the turn. If we want to overcome distraction in our life, we need to learn and turn. Peter realized the destruction of his distraction, and he allowed his failure to educate him, and he turned back to his commitment to follow Christ and became this great, powerful apostle for the church. What do we do about our own distraction then if we learn from what Peter experienced? Number one, you have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge that you do have the capability, even the probability of distraction in your life. And if you acknowledge it, then it helps you keep on focus on what you should be, should be important to you and not looking at just what is apparent in your life. The second thing is you need to learn from it. Why did it cause distraction? 
What was it that caused distraction? Why did that distract you? Was it pride? Was it arrogance? Was it doubt? Was it fear? Was it, was it uh, greed? What was it that got you pulled off from your focus? Then, then the next thing is turn from it. In other words, here's what turn from it means. That word repent. It means to turn and go the, the, the right direction. Turn from where you're focused and put your focus right back where it belongs. That's what we need to do about our own distractions. So the first thing is learn and turn. The second thing is pray and obey. I cannot overemphasize obedience in your walk with Christ. I know we talk a lot more in today's culture. We talk a lot more about it's okay, whatever you did, it's all right, no worries. No, let me tell you where power comes in the Christian walk is when you obey God. And not just obeying to not sin, but obeying to do what he's called you to do. Do you realize that James tells us it's sin to not do what we know is good to do? So it's not just sins of commission, but sins of omission. We need to be prayerful and we need to be obedient. Acts chapter 1 Verse 4 through 11 says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father uh, that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, hey, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go. And then we find in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost fully came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, as a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Here's what we have to understand when we pray, obey. We receive power when we pray and obey. They did what Jesus told them to do. Go to the upper room, pray, spend time together. In about 10 days, 120 of them were in that situation, praying, agreeing, seeking the face of God. And all of a sudden, the power of God descended on that place and filled them up with boldness and strength and power and manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When we receive power is when we pray and obey. So how do we do it? We seek the face of God and God reveals his will uh, that's what God wants for us ultimately is his will in our life we obey the will of God it produces power the Bible says it's the it's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land and then also God wants to empower us to do his will can I tell you something today God wants to give you power not the kind of power that the world desires, not the kind of power that our greed desires, but that empowerment of the Holy Spirit that is pure and manifests the presence of God in our lives that causes us to be bold about his gospel and causes us to have insight where we don't have it and causes us to have revelation of his word and causes us to follow him at greater levels and be able to overcome sin and overcome distraction and overcome the issues of life that would keep us from doing the will of God. The same distract, 
perfected Peter is the same Peter who was laser focused preaching on the day of Pentecost with courage and strength to thousands of people and the result was thousands of people got saved and we see Apostle Paul as the head of the church for a long period of history he was the apostle that took that ministry and ran with it to the Jewish people and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were saved. Listen, church persecution couldn't stop the church. They couldn't stop the purpose of God. Why? Because they prayed and they obeyed. And that helped them overcome the distractions that before that point had kept them bound. And the third thing and last thing is this. Be present in your purpose and focused on your future. If you want to overcome the temptation of distraction in your life, that distraction that brings destruction, you need to be present in your purpose, and you need to focus on your future. Peter took on the role of powerful preacher, seizing every moment in spite of the difficulty to declare the gospel of God. Listen, do you not remember that Peter was there when that little girl, that little girl was just a little young lady was saying, aren't you one of the disciples? And he's cursing and he's saying no. And he swoops around and he turns around. No, I don't know him. And he's looking right in the face of Jesus. The Gospel of Luke tells us that when he rejected Jesus, Jesus looked at him. Meaning that by that point, he had come off of the upper part of the house, down the stairs and into the courtroom. And when Peter had spun around after cursing Jesus' name and saying, I do not know him, he was looking at him right in the face. Coward afraid, doubtful, distracted. The Bible says he ran off into the night weeping bitterly. What have I done? My best friend, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, the, the coming Savior. I denied him. When it was important, I denied him. When, when it was important, I gave up. When it was important, I quit. I became distracted by my fear and by my doubt. And I left him. He's going through this now by himself. Because I left him. But that same Peter who felt that devastation, that destruction of distraction, that same Peter after the day of Pentecost, after he learned and turned, after he obeyed and prayed, now he's standing up in that same place that was still saying we'll kill Christians, that same place that was still against Christ. He stood up in that moment and preached the gospel under the unction of the power of the Holy Spirit. And God began at that moment to change the world. We today are literally impacted and affected directly by that moment of courageous, courageous Peter standing up under the power of God. Peter also took on the role of leading to the future. Leading the church of Jesus Christ into the future. Listen, to overcome distraction, we must first learn and turn. Acknowledge our distractedness and refocus ourselves on the important things of God. Second, we must pray and obey. It's, it's in our praying and in our obeying, our obeying that the power of God is manifest in our lives and helps us live that water-walking life. And thirdly and last, we must be present in our purpose. We 
must know we have a purpose. We must be present in it, not living for other things, not distracted by other things, not letting our life be led here and there and everywhere, but except for that purpose of God that we should be singularly focused on. We must be present in our purpose and we must be focused on our future. Just like our vision here at Summit Church, leading people to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, to make a difference. Listen, distraction is spiritually destructive. It just is. But deep spiritual focus is empowering. It's empowering to our potential, helping us to discover and develop and deploy the spiritual potential that God has put in each and every one of us. God, God help us that we know, listen, that we know He has a reason for our living. He has a reason for our being. He has a purpose for our existence. It's not just to survive. It's not just to be. But there is meaning. There is purpose. There is promise in God. So I'm challenging you today, be a water walker. Even though you may have sank a couple of times, even though you may have taken your eyes off of Jesus and you've noticed the storm and you slipped and you fell, but you cried out and you said, Jesus, I want to walk on the water. And he he just says, refocus on me, son. Refocus on me, daughter. It's okay. Just refocus. Just get your focus back. I'm challenging you right now to drop the distractions, the spiritual distractions in your life right now before they become destructive to your life. Drop the distractions you have right now in your family before they become destructive to your kids. Drop the distractions you have right now in your life before it becomes a spiritual devastation to your existence. And focus your eyes on our Savior. Focus your eyes on that one who calls us out on the water who says hey come on out here enjoy the adventure of the faith life and know that this is where you belong not hunkered down in a ship afraid of what life may do but standing on top of the things that otherwise should have drowned you that's what God wants for your life do you want it do you want it Do you believe it? Our world that we live in today has the potential to be more distracting than any other time in history. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to stand against it in our spiritual walk and focus our faith on Jesus. Father, we thank you today. And we praise you today and we give you glory because you're good. We just ask you for every single person who may not know you, who may not have a relationship with you, that they've never even really focused on you for the first time. I pray, Heavenly Father, this word will penetrate their hearts and they'll come to follow you. And they'll lose the focus of this world and they'll gain the focus of your cross and what you've done for them. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for all of us as believers that we will not allow the distractions of this life to become destructive in our life. But that Heavenly Father will walk in the goodness and grace of your power and will walk on top of those things that otherwise should have drowned us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.